Let me ask you a question. Have you ever um, put a password on a computer or on some program and forgot it? I do this all the time. Not so much on my computer, but Andreas can tell you every time I'm having problems with some program or with my computer, he'll bring up a program and he'll say, okay, so what's your password? And I'll say, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, or have you ever put a, a program on your computer that um, after putting it on, it just, it messes up every other program and you can't seem to get it off? Or maybe you open some, some email and downloaded some virus and you get that, that little message that says all of your files have been corrupted? Or, 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 or maybe you just, you, you put on some program that... Um, you thought you wanted, but now you don't want it, but you can't get rid of it. Um, one of the wonderful things about computers and computer programs is usually you'll find some little button to click on that says reset. And it resets everything. Like, like nothing bad ever happened. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to have one of those in life? A, a button that you could just, you could click on and just hit reset. So when you said the wrong thing, you would just go reset, you know? Um, when, you, when, you, when you married the wrong spouse, you just hit reset. <laughs> or... Well, I won't go there. Um, but you know, you invested in the wrong stock. And you watch a tank and you think, what was I thinking? Well, you just go over to the reset button, right? And you hit it, and you get a second chance. A button that would just bring everything back like nothing happened at all. Got, in the, wrong, got the wrong degree in the wrong field. No problem. You just hit reset. Now you got the right degree. You, uh, you move to the wrong place and you realize that was so stupid and I don't like it here and now my house is... No, no, no. You just hit reset. Or maybe you committed some horrible sin that is just wreaking havoc on your life. And you could just walk over and hit Reset. How cool would that be? How, how wonderful would that be? And you know, it, it's, not, it's not unusual or unreasonable for us as human beings to want to hit a reset button. I can't believe for one second that there's one person here that hasn't done or experienced something in life that you would just long to just go reset. It's just part of who we are. And in, in fact, God has, has, has built it deep down inside of us to want better, to, to want more, to become more to be able to reset. Well, that's why God sent his son. 
That's why Jesus came into the world. To do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. To be able to hit a reset button. To be able to make right all of our wrong choices. To be able to heal our broken hearts. To be able to take away our guilt and our shame. To take away the negative images that we have of ourselves. To take away all of the distortions that have just messed up our thinking. God has built it in us to want to do it, but we can't. And that's why his son came into this world. To do for us what we can't do. To be able to reset it. This past month, we've been talking about mastering the basics. That beginning a new year means, if you're going to change anything, it always begins with the basics. We talked about mastering the basics, a basic understanding of of who God is. A basic understanding of the scriptures. A basic understanding of what it means to be human. This morning, I want to look at mastering the basic understanding of who Jesus is. And, and what he's done for us. There is a principle that I want us to follow this morning. If you're going to understand who Jesus is, the best principle I can give you is this. Who Jesus is, is seen in what he said and what he did. I mean, it's very simple. If you want to know who Jesus is, then just look at what he said and what he did. It's a very Hebrew principle. We talked about that last week. Hebrews said, if you want to know somebody, don't listen to what they say alone. But look and listen for what they say and what they do. Because that's what makes all the difference in the world. One of the best places to unpack this is found in John chapter 5. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. Let, let me give you a little bit of uh, background uh, into John chapter... Well, let me just give you a little background into John. Um, I tell people who don't know Christ or who are lost and need to find their way back that the best way to reset is go to the gospel of John. Because John is is such a great gospel when it comes to resetting our minds and our lives. And, and you see the principle uh, bared out um, in John chapter 20, it says that Jesus did many more miraculous things that, that cannot be contained within this book. But he did what he did so that you might believe that he is the son of God. See, the whole background of the gospel of John is simply that. 
that you might believe that Jesus is the son and that in believing you might have life in him. God sent Jesus into this world so that you could see what he said and what he did and that through that you could hit the reset button. That you could have life in him as it's supposed to be. We, um, we said last week when we talked about what it means to be human and we said that, yeah, we're loved by God, we're sacred, but we're sinners. That when Adam and Eve sinned, they corrupted all the files. They made it impossible to just simply do something on our own to change it. And so that's why Jesus came. Jesus came in this world to hit the reset button for us, to change everything, that just simply by believing in him, you might have life. Well, that's, that's the whole purpose of the Gospel of John. That's why I love giving the Gospel of John to people because it's really simple. It's really basic. This morning, we're going to look at uh, the fifth chapter of John. Um, and let me give you a little, we're going to kind of break in, in a little bit in the middle of it. Um, what's going on in this chapter? There's a man who's about, well, we're not sure of his age exactly, but he is crippled and he is in Jerusalem and he's sitting by a pool waiting for his opportunity to go into it. Because they believed that if you got into the pool at just the right time when the waters were stirred, that you would be healed. That God would come down and heal you at the stirring of the waters. Well, this person was waiting for that event to happen. Waiting for 38 years. Now, why 38 years? Because he wasn't the only one waiting. There are a bunch of other people who were paralyzed and who were crippled and who were blind, and they were waiting. And see, even though he might have had a certain spot in the line, the problem was he couldn't get himself in the pool. He couldn't hit the reset button by himself. And the people around him, you would think that they would help them? No. Because they were looking for their own reset. You see, their programming in their mind was corrupt. Their programming in their hearts were corrupt. And so Jesus shows up and he says to the man, do you want to be healed? And the man says, yes. And Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. And so we come into the story just about this point when the Pharisees watching all of this Criticize Jesus for what he did. Criticized him because he dared to heal somebody on the Sabbath. You see, it isn't just church-going people who need to hit the reset button. Religious people need to hit the reset button. Because all of us are blind. 
they're looking at Jesus and they're angry at him because he heals on the Sabbath. But more than that, let's look at the passage. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with him. Imagine, God sends his son to come into the world and to do what these blind people can't do because of their sins. Because you've got to understand the power of sin. The power of sin is missing the mark, and so when you miss the mark, you lose your direction, which means you end up lost. The power of sin is that it corrupts your desires, and you want all the wrong things. And it makes you blind. The power of sin is, it fills you with guilt and shame, and so it paralyzes you. The power of sin is, it creates conflict with others, and so you end up with broken relationships. You end up living isolated lives by yourself with no one to help you. They get mad at Jesus because they can't understand how this man could dare call himself God. But what, what, what they're so blind to and what they don't understand is he, only a God-man could do for them what they can't do. They're too blind to do it. They don't know where the reset button is. They're, they're lost and far away and they're blind and morally they're crippled. And so God does what's necessary. He comes down in the person of Christ to hit the reset button and they get angry because their God is a God of theory. Their God is a God of formulas. Their God is a God of doing the right and the wrong, but he's not personal. He's not even really real. They needed the reset button more than most. God sent his son to do for us what we couldn't do, to be able to reset our lives back to the way it was supposed to be. I love um, Philippians chapter two. Now, Jess, if you can put that up for a minute. It gives one of the best what we call Christological statements uh, in the scriptures, uh, statements concerning uh, the person of Christ. And look what we read. And, and Paul is talking about how we, sh in our relationships, we should have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God. In the very nature. He wasn't a God lookalike. He wasn't a, a God mimic. He wasn't a, a good guy sent by God. In his very nature, in his very core, he was God. 
because if he was just a man, he wouldn't be able to reset. If he was just a man, he would be sinful. If he was just a man, when he died, he would die and the grave would swallow him up. Jesus was very much God. He was the very nature of God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Doesn't mean that he didn't believe he was equal with God. He did believe he was equal with God. He was God. And yet the cool thing is when Jesus came to this earth, he was willing to come as a man and to put aside all of his rights and all of his privileges. I mean, at any time, Jesus could have just simply snapped his fingers and had whatever he had wanted, and he didn't. In fact, when you study the scriptures, the only time that Jesus uses his powers as God is to benefit others that they might see who he is. Made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And likeness is in that very nature, just as he said, in the very nature of a servant, of a person. In the likeness of a person. Being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Fully God, fully man. Fully able to show up in your lives and hit the reset button for you. Let's go back to John. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Why? Because the father and son are one. So you've got to master the basics and, and look, this, it's basic and, it's, and yet it's a mystery. It's basic in that we can, we can kind of grasp it but not fully understand it is that Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are one. You do anything with that. You mess with that in any way. And you get a Jesus who is either some spirit ghost who can't do anything for you, who can't take your, your sin upon himself because he's not fully you. Or he's just a man who is temporal and fragile and frail and sinful. Jesus did everything the Father did because they were one. What he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. 
Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to, to, him, to whom he is pleased to give it. So when we talk about Jesus, if you're going to understand the guy who hits the reset button, if you're going to believe, because John says that Jesus did all these things that you might believe and have life in him. What is it that you're to believe? Fully God, fully man. That's his person. And his work, very simple. To come and redeem life. To take dead lives and to raise them from the dead. And let me tell you something, that, that isn't just confined to one day we die and we were put in the ground. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly now and forever. What's the work of Christ? It's your salvation. It's to take away it's to reset. It's to make possible what is impossible in and of ourselves. John says, moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So what does that mean? Can I just be a good person? Can I just be religious and go to church or go to synagogue or go in the forest and sing John Denver songs? And I mean, you know, get in touch with my inner spirit. Isn't that enough? No, why? Because I'm blind and I'm crippled, and I'm corrupted, and I, and I don't even know where I'm going. And I'm trying to hit the reset button, and I can't. One of the things I used to do eons and eons and eons ago when I did youth ministry, I would take a kid and I would blindfold him, and then I would say, I want you to find, this qu- I want you to find a quarter when I tell you to. And I would take that quarter and I would put it in the hardest place that you could find even if you weren't blindfolded. And then sadistically, I would send the kid off to find it as he bumped into things and also... It's the only satisfaction you have as a youth uh, pastor. Um, <laughs> and after the time was up, I would say, where's the quarter? I, I can't find it. Because you're blind. Only Jesus can do for us what we can't do. Only he can see and reach and be the reset button for our lives. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. It will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Yeah, I I was studying this week and, and, and just trying to catalog all the specific things that Jesus has done or does for
for us? What makes him consequential in our lives? The list was too long. I said, if, if I put this on a PowerPoint, they're going to look and say, we're going to be here all day. But more importantly, I tried to break it down into in, in th- three major categories because part of mastering the basics, and, and listen, okay, I want you to get this. I don't want you to miss this. When it comes to mastering the basic of who Jesus is, I want you to know who he is as a person, fully God and fully man. I want you to know what his work is. And his work is this. First, to give us life. Jesus came that we might have life. Why? Because we are living in death. What do I mean by that? The gospel is called Jesus the great physician. Physicians come and they heal broken lives. Jesus came as a great physician to heal us. To heal us of our guilt and our shame. He came to give us hope for today and for the future. Jesus came into this world to give us life and that we would know what life looks like. That we wouldn't have to be alone anymore. The world's a lonely place. Filled with all these people and yet a lonely place. Because people are walking around blind and broken hearted and corrupted. And they keep reaching for death instead of life. Jesus came that you might have life even in the midst of death. Jesus came to heal you. He came to direct you. He he came to make sure that your life would have quality and satisfaction and hope. And yes, he came that you might have life eternal. The, The wonderful thing about this Savior that we have is that when we die, when we're on our deathbeds, we don't have to wonder what's gonna happen to us. All we have to do is look back at who Jesus was. The God-man who came, who lived, who died, and who rose again and promised us because of what he did for us, we'll be able to do it in him. In fact, Jesus said in John's gospel that I hold you in my hands and in the Father's hands, that my hands are wrapped around you and the Father's hands are wrapped around you and guess what? There's no way that you can slip out. There's no way that you can be lost because you have life and once you have life in Christ, you can't lose it, you can't misplace it, no one can take it away. 
But without Christ, there is no life. Why is it important that we share the gospel? Yeah, I, I, I had this interest. I, I, I went uh, to Haverhill yesterday to pick up a, a piece of weight equipment. And there's this really neat guy, Pete, uh, that w- meets me at the door. This is the second time I've gone there. And, and it, just a sweet guy. And as I drove away going down the road, just thinking, yeah, what, a, what a great guy. I hope I see him in heaven. And then I thought, well, you did a lot to make that happen. (laughs) Talked about everything but heaven. Yeah, my bad, a little bigger than that. We're ambassadors of life, agents of life. When people have messed up, we step in and, and we show them where the life is. We're to go out from this place and be salt and light to the world that they would understand and taste the flavor of real life. What has Jesus done for us? He gave us life. Secondly, he came and gave us light in the darkness You want to know what pleases God? Just look at the life of Christ. You want to know what you should do with your marriage? Listen to the words of Christ. You want to know what to do with your suffering and your pain? Listen to the one who says to us, come to me all of you who are weary and burdened and I will ease and lift your burden Jesus came to bring light in the darkness to bring wisdom to stupidity he came that we might know what's real and what's true that we might not settle or be deceived into choosing everything that isn't life. Do you know how blessed you are to have all the scriptures? You know, it's amazing. In the early centuries, believers didn't have all the scriptures. In fact, some, some gave their lives to Christ and they worshiped and they praised and they only had little portions of maybe a gospel or, or maybe of Paul's, one of Paul's letters. Because, and yet they had all they needed to know that God loves them, that Christ died for them, that Jesus called them to follow him, be like him. We have much more than that. The issue is, what do you do with the light that you have? Do you just pull down the shades of your mind because it's too bright? It doesn't allow you to see what you want to see? Do 
use it as good safety tips. Well, I have to remember that, good safety tip. You know, if I get in that situation, I'll remember that. No, you won't. It's got to become more. The light has got to become your life. Because if the light doesn't become your life, then you don't have life. Because to have life is to walk in the light of Christ. He came that we might have life and we might have light. That we wouldn't walk around in darkness anymore. And thirdly, he came that we might have love. To know what real love is. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for another. Why do we know that Jesus loves us? Because we saw what he did for us. We saw what he went through. God becoming a man, taking on the, the nature of a man while having the nature of God. Talk about how humiliating that is. If I'm God, I'm not becoming a man. One person? So that I have to live in the world as a person with a bunch of sinful people trying to pull all sorts of sin over my eyes? Living with the corruption that I despise because of my holiness and yet endure because of my love? You want to know what love is? You look to Jesus. I, I, and I didn't bring the research, but I was looking at Barner's research on atheists this week. And it was powerful stuff. Most, most atheists live lives of desperation. They live lives of selfishness. They live lives of distortion. Suicide, alcohol, drugs. And yeah, that affects the church. I'm not kidding anyone. Because you can't live a real powerful life if you don't know what it means to be loved. Everyone loves to hear the fact that God loves them. Because in that we know that he's forgiven us. He loved us before he forgave us. And he forgave us because he loved us. And now we walk guilt-free in that love even though we mess up. Jesus gave us the love of God and told us, to go and to share it with others. Called us to love our brothers as we love ourselves, as we claim to love him. What's the reset button? It's a button that'll give you life and the light not to screw it up. And the love that will always satisfy you and never let you go.
I want to close with this. Um, there was a there was a gentleman in our church that I was blessed enough to get to know very very well. Um, he was a uh, when I met him, an older man um, in his late seventies. Um, frail, his legs were going on him. Um, quiet. There were times you had to really listen to hear him. But brilliant. Had three masters, two doctorates. He um, he knew God's word inside and out, and it was both inside and out. When he would come to a deacon's meeting, he would, he would pick some person in the scriptures to speak about that your eyes normally just kind of skipped over very quickly. Some person that didn't seem consequential. And yet, when he got done, you, you knew the man and you knew the man because you knew God through the man. His name was Forrest Everts and... Um, and he, I, I just can't say enough about him. In fact, when it came time to do his funeral, I didn't even prep for it. Didn't even prep for it. I didn't have to prep for it. All I had to do was go up and speak about Forrest, which was a thrill of my heart. I mean, this guy, I'll tell you just how much Jesus impacted his life. There was a time where uh, his appendix burst. And, and he became delirious in the hospital. And I walked in and he didn't even know I was there and he was just rambling off things. And the things he rambled off were things like how wonderful and great God is. What a mighty savior we have in Christ. And I thought, this guy's even holy when he's delirious. I don't want to think about what I would say if I was delirious. I want to read something to you. And I, and I want to assure you, this came from who the man was in Christ. This came from his love that God had poured into him when he was a little boy. In Hooksett, New Hampshire, he, um, he would, there was this hill he would sit on. And down below it was a schoolhouse. And this, this preacher would travel uh, to different towns on horse and, um, and would preach. And so Forrest and his friend would sit on this hill and they'd, they'd hear the singing. And so one day they said, well, let's go in and see. And they did. And his life was changed forever. Um, <clears throat> I want to read from you uh, something his son gave me a copy of. It's um, his bronze star medal that he got in uh, the Korean War. It says, for distinguishing himself by heroism in action against the enemy in the vicinity of the Humdung, North Korea, on the night of March 1, 1953, a company seized, a company-sized en enemy force made a concentrated attack of the 2nd Platoon of E Company 9th Infantry Regiment, inflicting numerous friendly casualties. 
when more litter bearers and aid men were needed to treat the wounded, Warrant Officer Everts immediately organized and led a group of men through an intense enemy mortar and artillery barrage to the midst of the battle. With Now listen to this. With complete disregard for his own personal safety, he continually exposed himself to the enemy fire while skillfully administrating first aid and directing the evacuation of the wounded men. Although painfully wounded on one of his trips to the forward trenches to, retrie to retrieve a casualty, Warrant Officer Everts continued to display indomitable courage, ensuring the safe evacuation of his wounded comrades. Only when weakened by loss of blood, which hampered his competent supervision of the evacuation, did he permit himself to be treated. The heroic actions and consummate devotion to comrades displayed by Warrant Officer Everts reflect great credit upon himself in the military service. And yet he would tell you, well, he wouldn't tell you, but if he could get him to tell you, he would say, it reflected his love of God. He understood that there's no greater love than the love in which Jesus displayed and which a man lays down his life for another. In which a man becomes so affected, a woman becomes so affected that they live life with total disregard for their own safety. Ensuring life in others. Who is Jesus? You see it in what he said and what he did. Who are you as his followers? You are people who live by what he said and what he did. And you share it with others. Let's join our hearts in prayer.